What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the HWS Podcast, also known as the Health, Wealth, and Sports Podcast. I'm your host, William Andres, and in this podcast, we will discuss an array of different topics from fitness to financial literacy and sports. If this is something that you might find yourself interested in, well, this is the podcast for you. Please stay tuned. Don't forget to follow the HWS podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You could also find me on my social media page on Instagram under the HWS underscore podcast, on YouTube under William Andres, and on Twitter under Mr. Andres. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Health, Wealth, and Sports. I'm your host, William Andres. And tonight we'll be discussing Michael Jordan versus LeBron James. Before we get started, I need everyone to do me a favor and go over to the Health, Wealth and Sports podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Anchor. Like, share and comment below. Okay, let's get into it. So Michael Jordan versus LeBron James. I know that this topic has been discussed over numerous platforms and it has been discussed in barbershops on playgrounds and offices across America and really in my opinion there's no wrong answer but I have a clear-cut favorite and I'm not going to let you know who my uh, pick for the greatest of all time is just yet Uh, we're going to discuss this topic in length Uh, And I'm going to try to stay away from being statistical because, you know, everybody can, you know, knows that Michael Jordan has six finals uh, championships and LeBron James has four. uh, But LeBron's career isn't over. And LeBron statistically has blown Michael out of the water. But LeBron has played more seasons than Mike. So you have to take that into consideration. Uh, So we will discuss uh, a few statistical things, but that will not be. Uh, the 100 percent determining factor on why I'm going to crown a goat tonight. And like I said, this is my personal opinion. I know that everyone has an opinion about this. This is a generational thing. If you grew up in the 90s watching basketball, of course, Michael Jordan is the goat. If you've watched basketball from like 2003 on out, Uh, I would expect for you to say LeBron is, but there's a compelling argument on either side. No matter who you pick, you're not going to be wrong. These guys are definitely the upper echelon of professional basketball. So you you can't go wrong by picking either or. And I'm going to just throw, like I said, this will not be the determining factor, but I I think it's important to uh, keep these things in context. And really discuss uh, some of the statistical uh, achievement that each one of these players have uh, accomplished. LeBron James has four NBA championships. Michael Jordan has six. Now, that has been the number one argument uh, that has worked against LeBron James. You know, Mike went to six finals. And Mike has won all six of those finals where LeBron has gone to 10 finals 
and he's only won four. So if you're doing the math, he's lost six championships. And that and that's weighed heavy on LeBron. The other thing that's weighed heavy on LeBron that Michael Jordan uh, doesn't really have to compete with is LeBron has chosen to team up with several of the great players of his time. Dwayne Wade, uh, uh, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, uh, Anthony Davis, just to name a few team members that LeBron has had on his team that you can make an argument that these are Hall of Famers that he's teaming up with to beat the rest of the league. Now, why is that important? Well, LeBron, by far, is the most dominant player of his generation. And he probably would have uh, won some finals throughout his career, but would he have been to 10 NBA finals if he didn't team up with like a D-Wade or Kyrie Irving or uh, Anthony David? Uh, Would he have made these appearances? Well, you know, nobody knows. Nobody knows. He led a, his first NBA uh, Finals appearance. He led a Cleveland team that was absolutely horrible. His second best player was Mo Williams. Antoine Jameson was on that squad. I mean, he. I mean, if you look at that roster, that roster was not built to win an NBA championship. But that just speaks to the greatness of LeBron James because he led that team to an NBA Finals. They were eventually swept by the Spurs, but. The fact that he was able to beat a very good Detroit team in the Eastern Conference Finals to get that team to the uh, finals, the NBA Finals, just speaks to the greatness of LeBron James. Okay, let's talk about uh, league MVPs. Well, LeBron has four and Michael has six. So the edge goes to Michael there as far as league MVPs. Um, and this is this this matters, right? Because in the era that you play in, we could say LeBron's playing in an era of greater players, right? They're bigger, faster, stronger. The analytics will tell you that the players that LeBron is playing against are greater than the players that Mike played against. But this is all relative, right? Because when you think about how great LeBron is, he's the great of the greats of his generation, just like Michael was the great of the greats of his generation. So when you think about it, everyone's playing on somewhat of an equal playing field, and then the cream rises to the top, which happens to be LeBron and Michael. And Michael was the creme de la creme of his era, and he managed to get six MVPs out of that. And that, that matters. So when, you, when you're comparing side-by-side side these two great players, you also have to uh, look at the players that they beat. How many Hall of Famers did LeBron James keep from winning an NBA championship? That matters, right? And then when you look on the flip side of that coin, how many great players did Michael Jordan keep from winning an NBA championship? Now, you got to give the edge to Michael because there was a lot of great players in the 90s that didn't win an NBA championship because of Michael. You look at your Charles Barkleys, your Reggie Millers, you look at your Patrick Ewings, um, and the list goes on. Your Stockton and Malones, your Gary Payton and Sean Kemp, and you can go down a long laundry list of all of these great teams and great players that didn't win an NBA championship 
because of Mikey, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. The man was just dominant. I mean, way ahead of his time. So, you know, you always hear this argument, okay, well, who's a better scorer, who's a better passer, who's a better rebounder? And in all of these statistical categories, LeBron James, except for scoring, Michael was a far uh, superior scorer than LeBron. LeBron has, later in his career, has developed a three-point shot, has developed a a jump shot that you have to respect. Now, the the man is wet. Like, if you don't step out on LeBron, he's going to hit the shot. But Mike was a completely different animal. Mike would go on runs that he would outscore teams in certain quarters and periods, and, and that's just a completely different thing. Let's look at the regular season. So over the course of their careers, statistically, in the regular season, LeBron is averaging 27.1 points per game. And you say that, well, that's great, right? But Mike was averaging 30.1. And for people who don't understand, over the course of an 82-game season, uh, three points could could actually be like a 1,000 points difference, 1,500 points difference. That, That means that's a lot of scoring. So don't take that for granted. Now, LeBron's uh, career playoff numbers are 28.8. So he steps it up in the playoffs. So when it, when the lights are shining the brightest, LeBron comes to play. But there's no knock on Mike because when the lights are shining the brightest, Mike also was uh, on his A game. He was averaging 33.4 points per game, which is a three-point better than his regular season average. Now, that's a huge jump. Like we just told you that, you know, we're talking about three points from the regular season to the playoffs. LeBron was only a point, one point nine better from the regular season to the playoffs. Michael Jordan was a full three point three points per game better in the playoffs than he was in the regular season. That's huge. Now. This is where LeBron completely trumps Michael Jordan. So in the regular season, LeBron averages uh, for his career 7.4 rebounds per game. And in the playoffs, he, that, ju- that number jumps up to nine points, uh, nine rebounds uh, per game. Michael Jordan, he's a guard. So that's a, this is a little different statistical. LeBron's probably uh, two to three inches taller than Michael Jordan. And they were asked to do different things. But Michael Jordan... Uh, through the course of his regular season career, was only averaging 6.2 rebounds per game. And in the playoffs, he was averaging 6.4. So he did get a little better in the playoffs, but those numbers are far below what LeBron was putting up. Let's talk about assists per game. LeBron was averaging 7.4 assists per game in the regular season, and for his career, he's averaging 7.2 in the playoffs. So it goes down a little bit, but... Normally in the playoffs, they're going to ask LeBron to score a little bit, so that makes that makes a little more sense. Jordan, in the regular season for his career, was averaging 5.3 assists per game, and in the playoffs, he stepped it up a little bit. He was 5.7 assists. So if, if you're paying attention to the numbers, especially the statistics that matter, uh, rebound points and assists, uh, LeBron has won three of the three of uh, two of the three categories that we just uh, named, which by far LeBron is the better all around player 
like I said, he's bigger, faster, stronger. If you were looking to build the prototype basketball player, you look no further than LeBron. But there's there is a category that I would say that doesn't exist. It doesn't show up in the stat sheets. Uh, you can't work on it. You, it's it's something it's an intangible thing that you just have to be born with. And it's the killer gene. Now, late in LeBron's career, he has definitely developed uh, a little taste of this killer gene. You, you know, when the game's on the line, you know, you can't step off of LeBron. He, he will hit the shot. He'll make the big buckets. But he didn't always have that. He didn't always have that killer instinct. He didn't have that look in his eye when it was like a minute left in the game and I want the ball. I, I know that everybody in the arena knows that the ball's coming to me. And sometimes he, he looks spooked in, his, uh, in the early parts of his career. Now, as for Mike, Mike loved that moment. He relished that moment. He wanted the ball. He, he loved, some players just love to silence an arena. Mike said, I didn't, I didn't care who knew I was going to get the ball. I didn't care if they knew what move I was going to do. I was going to execute it and I was going to win the game. Now, Mike didn't always win the game. He, you know, there's this myth out here that Mike hit every big shot and, and he won every game. That is not true. And for most uh, shooters, they don't hit every shot that they throw up. But the one thing that most shooters and most scorers have, they don't have a conscience. They forget the last shot. Mike could go 0 of 6 and he still, 0 of 6 in the fourth quarter and he still wants the last shot. It takes a special type of player to have that killer instinct. And Mike had it. Mike just, when he stepped on the floor, he legitimately felt that he was better than his opponents. I can't always say that about LeBron. LeBron has always been the best player on the court. But did he always feel as if he was the best player on the court? You know, and when you look at their skill sets, they're different. So, you know, when you look at Michael, Michael was almost in a class of his own. Like LeBron is in a class of his own. And I really hate that they ever try to compare LeBron to anybody. Right. Because there's there's never been a LeBron James in the NBA. And I think that it, the, the hating needs to stop. We need to appreciate this man for who he is. I know a lot of people like to compare LeBron to Magic Johnson. And Magic is an excellent player. We're talking about a five time NBA champion, uh, world class player, great passer great leader um, and I'm not taking anything from Magic Johnson but LeBron would dog walk Magic Johnson so let's stop comparing the two you know Magic is a bad boy but when you look at the skill set that LeBron uh, brings to the table there's not even a comparison here so uh, uh, in my opinion I think it's an insult to LeBron to try to compare the, to me the comparison pretty much uh, the only thing that they have in common is they're both pass first players. But that's where the comparison stops. LeBron is faster. He can jump higher. Uh, he's, he just does more. 
he gets more out of his guys. Now, I know Magic Johnson, and look, this is not, you know, I don't want anybody from the 80s coming back like, man, Magic was a bad boy. I get it. Magic was a bad boy, and I'm not trying to take anything from Magic. But LeBron is like statistically like top five in all of the major statistical categories. And yes, I get it. He started at a young age and he's playing he's played more games than some of these guys in the 80s and the 90s, because, you know, these guys would do three to four years of college. Whereas LeBron came straight out of high school and he he basically came and they they Cleveland gave him the reins and said, hey, you know what? Go out here. If you remember LeBron's first game, he dropped 25 points. So he came out, you know, he came out blazing. And, you know, he's had his struggles and, you know, but pretty much LeBron is one of the players in NBA history that has actually lived up to the billing from start to finish. The man is in his, uh, I believe, 17th season. And he's still putting in work. He still looks, he's still running with these young bucks. Uh, he's still fast break. He's still doing the one hand tomahawk uh, on the steals. He's still jumping high as ever. So you can't take anything from LeBron. But that's why I say you can't compare him to Magic Johnson. Magic was not that guy. You know what I'm saying? Magic, Magic was great. But Magic is, uh, LeBron is a completely different animal. Okay, now back to the Michael Jordan comparison. So I was having a conversation with a couple of my coworkers at work, and we were discussing this LeBron versus uh, Jordan topic. And, you know, it's funny. I always have to use another sports analogy to kind of bring people back to earth. And so you have to compare the goats, right? So I use this analogy to kind of... Explain my argument between Jordan and LeBron. So let's use uh, another goat from a different sport. Let's talk Tom Brady. Tom Brady is not the biggest, the fastest. He doesn't have the strongest arm. He's not always considered the most accurate quarterback. But for some reason, in football, he's considered the goat. Why? Well, I'm going to tell you why. The reason why Tom Brady is considered the GOAT is because this man has won seven Super Bowl rings. He's been to 10 Super Bowls and he's won seven Super Bowl rings. Well, let's look at his competition. You have your Peyton Mannings, you have your Aaron Rodgers, you have your Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you have your, uh, excuse me, but there's just laundry list of quarterbacks that Tom Brady has gone through Ben Roethlisberger uh just to name a few Eli Manning which who beat him twice but you know these are the great quarterbacks of the era that Tom Brady played in and some of these quarterbacks you can say had better physical attributes than Tom Brady so why is Tom Brady considered the GOAT Peyton Manning actually didn't even really need an offensive coordinator. He'd go to the line of scrimmage. He'd look at the defense. He would call. He would do all that. This man used to strike fear in defensive coordinators' hearts. Linebackers like Ray Lewis would play chess max with Peyton Manning. Aaron Rodgers has one of the most accurate deep balls. He can run out of the pocket. He might just actually be the prototypical quarterback. Like, if you're going to build a quarterback... Aaron Rodgers might be that guy. 
You know, you have your Cam Newtons, who's a huge quarterback, who, you know, not only has a strong arm, but could run over linebackers and, and cornerbacks. You have your Deshaun Watsons. You have your Patrick Mahomes, who could literally, he, this man has so much arm confidence, he can make any pass, literally any pass on the field. But why is Tom Brady considered the GOAT? Because he has seven Super Bowl rings. When the brightest lights are shining the brightest, this man just comes to play. He knows how to win. He's a proven winner. Okay, why am I talking about football and this is a Michael Jordan versus LeBron debate? Well, if you haven't figured it out, LeBron James is by far a more superior athlete and basketball player than Michael Jordan. I mean, the eye test alone will tell you that. But just like I started off this podcast, I listed off all of the statistical categories. The only one that Michael Jordan is beating LeBron in is scoring. Now, I know both of these guys have different roles. Like LeBron is uh, sometimes asked to be a facilitator. Michael Jordan was never asked to do that. He was just asked to score. LeBron is sometimes asked to play defense. Now, Michael Jordan, don't don't get me wrong. This man is a first team defensive player several times. But, you know, that wasn't his primary goal. When Mike needed to shut somebody down, he said, yo, coach, give me that man. I'm going to lock him down. Now, LeBron, great defensive player, even better team defense. His signature move was the chase down block. Like all of a sudden you think you got a layup and then here comes LeBron soaring out of anywhere and he's slapping your shot up against the backboard. So by far, LeBron James is a superior athlete slash basketball player than Michael Jordan. So why would anyone consider Michael Jordan the GOAT? And I'm going to tell you why. Because Michael Jordan just win. The Al Davis thing, just win, baby, just win. Michael Jordan is a winner. He has that goat gene. He has that clutch gene. He has that killer instinct. Whatever you want to call it, Michael Jordan just had it. And I'm not saying that LeBron is not a winner. This is a four-time NBA champion, and he went to the NBA Finals 10 times. And let's just be real. He ran into a very, very good Golden State team. And uh, that team, not only the, the two times that they met prior to that, then they go add Kevin Durant to make them even better. Uh, so I get it. LeBron ran into some monster teams. But so did Jordan. I don't I don't think people realize how good Peyton and uh, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp were with the Seattle Supersonics. I don't think people realize how good Stockton and Malone were with Utah. I don't think people realize how good Terry Porter, Clyde Drexler, and Cliff Robertson were with the Portland Trailblazers. Now, some could argue that the Jordan's first championship when they beat the Lakers, the Lakers were a dying dynasty. But it doesn't matter. The man just wins. And, you know, yes, now, Jordan had great players, but you could argue that Jordan made Pippen. Through competition and uh, having to guard each other every day in practice and learning, Scotty learned from Mike. Mike made Scotty. He made him a better player. 
Then you go get Tony Kukos. Tony Kukos is a European player. He's soft. He got a jump shot. And he might have actually been one of the first stretch fours in NBA history. But he was soft. Remember when Pippen and Jordan met him in the uh, Olympics? They made it a point to shut him down. And they were able to because those European players weren't used to the physicality of the NBA, the speed, the quickness. So it wasn't like Tony Kukoc was going to come to the NBA and set it on fire. He could be held in check. Dennis Rodman, great rebounder. And he wasn't when he went to the Bulls, he wasn't the Dennis Rodman of the bad boys where he could score. He was just basically a rebound guy. You know, if you needed extra possessions, Dennis Rodman was going to keep that going. Now look down the rest of the line. The Bulls had, you know, the centers that played on those Bulls teams were horrible. You know, and let me rephrase it. Because I, I, I hate when, like, people like myself or anybody who hasn't played professional basketball say these guys are horrible. But like I said, everything's relative. So compared to the other centers that were in the league, these guys were very subpar. You know, uh, could they beat me? Absolutely. But were they putting up, you know, huge numbers against the rest of the leagues and the other centers in the leagues? No. They, I mean, they were just kind of like the extra guys out there. You know, they got rebounds and they, you know, they'd block shots and they'd take up space in the middle and they play defense. But you, you're not going to go say, hey, Luke Longley, go get me 20. Hey, Bill Winnington, you know, give me 15 blocks tonight or, or have a dominating rebound performance. No, that, that's, that wasn't those guys. You have Ron Harper on the team. Now, Ron Harper was a superstar. He kind of reminds me of like a modern day Sean Livingston. These guys, like he, he the potential was there and he could have been great, but injuries derailed him. And uh, he just became a tall guard and he played some good defense. But, you know, he, this wasn't a guy, another wasn't going to go out and go get you 20 every night. It's not like, you know, uh, Ron Harper that he's unstoppable when you had to really have a scouting report against him. You know, when you were playing the Bulls, you were playing Scotty and Mike. And the last two years of those, uh, the last three-peat, Scotty was a bona fide star. And he ended up becoming one of the 50 greatest players of the first era of the NBA. So he's no slouch by no mean. But when you look at the team things, if you're going to compare teams, LeBron, this is this is what I was meaning earlier. The knock on LeBron is he went and got generational talent to play alongside with him. And I know what everyone's going to say. Well, you know, in, in today's NBA, you need that. Well, at the time when LeBron did that, there was really only one team that was doing that. And that was the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics actually could have coined the the big three error. They went and got Ray Lew- I mean Ray Allen, excuse me. Ray Allen, uh, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce was already with Boston. So and then you couple that with Rondo, and you have uh, you know, four out of the five starters on that team were legitimate stars. You know, Rondo took a while because he was the younger one in the group. Uh, it took a little while to to, you know, really blossom into what he was. But, you know, if you know Rondo today in today's NBA, you know that Rondo is a legitimate star. You know, he was the ball handler. He I mean, this guy's wingspan is humongous. So he plays he plays great defense. He's in the passing lanes 
and his passing is off the charts. So that was the beginning of the big three era. And LeBron was like, you know what? I can't get past these guys. And LeBron early in his career realized that, you know, no one cares what numbers you put up. No one cares, you know, if I score 50 a game. I don't want to be one of these guys that put up 50 a game, but I'm not winning championships. I'm not winning championships. And these these are the things that great players will be judged on championship rings. And at the time, LeBron was solely chasing Michael Jordan. You know, he was constantly being compared to Jordan and he kept hearing the whispers, this guy might not win as many championships as we thought he was supposed to win. And now, Dan Gilbert didn't do him any favor, right? So Dan Gilbert's the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's not bringing any talent there. He's just not, you know, he's just not giving him any talent. Uh, Antoine Jamerson is not going to help you out. He brought Shaq in, but that was a that was an aging Shaq. You know, he tried to to bring in some of these aging superstars to play aside LeBron James and try to get a championship. It just wasn't working. It just you know wasn't a good fit. So. Everybody knows LeBron took his talent to South Beach. He teamed up with D. Wade and uh, Chris Bosh, and he won. He won some championships there. Now, the first year, you know, they end up losing to the Mavericks, and everyone was like, "Oh man, like this was supposed to be a dominant team. What happened?" Uh, but the following year, they put it. You know, they they put it together, and LeBron learned from D. Wade how to win championships. Now, D-Wade had already had an NBA championship prior to that. He beat, he beat the Mavs. And so he was already an NBA champion when LeBron came down there. So LeBron goes down to uh, South Beach. He plays with D-Wade, and he ends up winning two titles down there. And like I said, he learned how to win it. To, he learned how to be a champion. Now... He did learn how to be a champion, but this was the knock on him. Everyone was saying like, man, you're the greatest player of this generation. Why would you go team up with D. Wade? Why wouldn't you want to beat him? Why wouldn't you not want to go through Boston the same way that Michael Jordan went through the Pistons? You know, Michael Jordan used to get beat up by the bad boys of Detroit. He didn't leave. You know, if you watched, uh, I was a fan, like I said, I'm kind of biased because I grew up in the night. I grew up watching basketball in the 90s. Uh, and if you are a true Michael Jordan fan, you had the Michael Jordan come fly with me. And they would, you know, they would do a biography of the time and what he was doing to get better. And they would show Michael Jordan in the weight room. He went and got stronger. He got bigger because he wanted to get past the bad boys. They were physically beating him up. And he said, you know what? If that's what they have on me, I'm going to get better. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to get mentally stronger. And eventually, they beat the bad boys of Detroit. Well, LeBron had that same obstacle in front of him. Boston presented that same obstacle. And when LeBron couldn't beat Boston... He said, I'm leaving. 
Now, there's multi-layers here. Like I said, Dan Gilbert didn't give him any help. Boston had this big three slash big four, and he knew he wouldn't get past them. So he went and teamed up with D-Wade and Chris Bosh, and the rest is history. He ends up winning his championships. But this is one of the knocks that ended up happening on LeBron. Everyone's like, hey, he really can't win this by himself. He has to go get another great player to play next to him. Now, I know the flip side of that coin, people are going to say, well, don't you have to have another great player? You got to have a big two or three to win a championship. That's how it's always been. But I'm not going to say nothing about Shaq and Kobe. But, you know, most people say that you had to have a big three to win. So after LeBron's time is done in Miami, he ends up now getting with a young Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love back in Cleveland. Now, he his Cleveland days, this man went to eight straight finals. I mean, this is crazy. Like, this is something that uh, I don't think that will ever be duplicated by one player again. But this man goes to eight straight NBA finals with Cleveland. Or, excuse me, it's eight or seven, excuse me. But he goes to uh, numerous NBA finals with Cleveland. The problem is he runs into a better dynasty. At the time, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green are in Golden State, and they're building an offensive juggernaut. And they're just shooting three-pointers, and they're actually changing the way that the game of basketball is going to be played for centuries. And so LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love run into this team, and, you know, they lose one, they win one, and then Kevin Durant joins this group of guys, and they beat LeBron a couple more times. Now, there's two ways to look at this. People are going to say, well, it took all of that to beat LeBron. And some people look at it like, well, LeBron just actually got beat at his own game. Because you can say Kevin Durant said, hey, you know what? If championships, if great players are going to be defined by championship, I need to go get mines. I need to go get mines out the way right now. And Kevin Durant up to Annie and joined the 73 and 9 team. Now I know the world was buzzing and said this was a weak move. This, you know, Kevin Durant, like he should have never done that. And I look at it as he really just out LeBron LeBron. Because yes, it made it easier for Kevin Durant to win an NBA championship, but that was the goal. No one remembers second place. No one cares. No one, 20 years from now, no one's going to remember how you got there. They're just going to say, you know what, Kevin Durant has two NBA championships. Nobody remembers that uh, Michael Jordan beat a Lakers team that was, the dynasty was coming to an end. They just remember that Michael Jordan beat the Lakers and he jumped and he switched hands and he threw it. He went up with his right hand and switched it and threw it off the glass with his left hand. Those are the lasting memories that people remember. And LeBron knew that. And Kevin Durant knew that. And the league is waking up to that. You're seeing more and more of a player movement, a player driven movement in the NBA 
where players are empowering themselves and they're going to team up with other great players. This is the LeBron effect. This is the Rich Paul effect. Who's LeBron's agent? And you say, well, if you're the greatest player in the game, why do you continue to go get players that are not only just the best players at their position, but they're generational talents? D-Wade probably will go down as top 10, top 5 to top 10, two guards of all time. Kyrie Irving, if he continues at the pace of scoring and he wins a couple more titles, could be top 10 point guards of all time. And let's further LeBron's career. Let's go to L.A. Now he teams up with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is a once in a generation type player. He's he's got all the moves that a big man's supposed to have. He could run the floor like a gazelle. He can shoot. He can pass. Now, this guy was a winner just on a terrible team. And once again, all you have to tell one of these great players is, hey, if you don't have a championship, no one will remember your name. And that's the allure enough to draw a great player to your team. So LeBron and, and people, uh, this is the part of LeBron's game that's not even on the court, but just a part of who LeBron is. This man is a great recruiter. Not only that he's going to get you on his team, he's going to get you paid. Rich Paul is out here getting players paid. And that's a whole different topic. But so now you're coming to play with LeBron. He's the now. The one thing that I can give LeBron that, that, like I said, this is the biggest comparison to Magic Johnson that you can give to him is LeBron makes every player that he plays with better. I think that's his greatest quality. I mean, the guy can score. He can rebound. He can assist. His IQ is through the charts. But I think his best uh, quality is that when he plays with other great players, he makes them better. He made D. Wade better. D. Wade was kind of like on trending down. Uh, and I and I hesitantly say this because D. Wade had a lot in the tank. But he was kind of on the downtrot of his career. You know, D. Wade in the Miami years, if you remember, that's when he started getting his knee injuries and he, the, the little injuries started to pile up. But LeBron got the most out of him. He got the most out of Chris Bosh. Then he goes to Cleveland. And Cleveland was horrible before he got there. Horrible. I mean, like, like historical bad. And he took that franchise and he turned it around and he taught Kyrie Irving how to be a winner. I'll tell you how much that he taught Kyrie how to be a winner. When Kyrie left Cleveland and went to Boston... He ended up calling LeBron and said, man, I didn't realize how much it took to be a leader. He didn't realize the, the price that LeBron was paying to hold that team together. So, like I said, his greatest attribute is that he gets the best out of people. And his greatest off the court attribute, like if I was a GM, I wouldn't want LeBron near any of my players. 
Because the dude has a mouthpiece and he's going to get you there. Like if he wants you, it don't matter who you are. If you're a generational talent, you know, if you just watch the NBA All-Star, the 2021 NBA All-Star game, the way that he was gushing over Steph Curry, if I was Steve Kerr, I would say I'd call uh, the league office and say, hey, make him stop talking to my guy. That's how good LeBron is at recruiting. But that is also one of the biggest knocks that people have on LeBron. They said you couldn't do it by yourself. You had to go get generational talent. You didn't go get like a good shooter, like a Bradley Beal. You didn't go get, you know, like a John Walls. You didn't go get like you went and got the best player on somebody else's team, teamed up with them to win your championships. That will forever be the knock on LeBron. The other knock on LeBron is that with all of that talent, you only managed to win four of the 10 appearances in the NBA Finals. Now, on the flip side of that coin, they're going to say Michael Jordan went to six NBA championships. And with the same team that he was drafted with, just adding a few pieces, he won all six. Never even seen a game six. Don't even know what it, I mean, a game seven. Don't even know what it looks like. Now, Jordan had his flaws too. He really did. So uh, me and my friend, we always talk. And uh, like I said, this is just an opinion piece. But Jordan never really had to play a dominant center in the NBA Finals. Jordan took two years off, and in those two years off, Hakeem Olajuwon and the Houston Rockets won back-to-back NBA titles. Now, if Michael never retired, would they have beaten this Houston team? Would Jordan have been 6-8 and eight in the NBA Finals? We'll never know. It never happened, so we'll never know. You can make the argument that Well, what if he would have won them? Well, Houston had a better record against the Bulls in that era, in that time frame. So there's an argument that Jordan would have not beaten Hakeem Olajuwon, Sam Cassell, Robert Ory. There's an argument out there that that team was destined to win those games. So who's to say that we would even be sitting here comparing championships if Jordan would have if he didn't retire and go play uh, baseball? You know, LeBron, he didn't do that. He stuck around and he played uh, He played basketball his entire career. And he happened to run into two very good dynasties, the Spurs uh is was a great dynasty if you if you look at what tim duncan pops uh tony parker and uh can't think of his name off the top of my head you know the left-handed guy uh ginobili uh excuse me ginobili you know if you hear this no offense ginobili is another great player uh but that that was a great dynasty that was a great dynasty these guys uh, pretty much dominated in a stacked West. 
You know, you had your Steve Nash and uh, Amari Stoudemire and Sean Marion out in Phoenix. You had Kobe and Shaq out west. You had Dirk and Tim Duncan and Pops were religiously just beating up the West, who who's notoriously uh, the West was notorious for being the better of the two conferences. And Tim Duncan and those guys ran through that. And LeBron ran into that dynasty. He just happened to be in the, you know, you could say the end part of that dynasty, but they were still rolling and they, you know, they beat LeBron. And then he has the misfortune of running into the Golden State Warriors when they were hot as a stove. And, you know, they they ripped some off on LeBron. Now, Michael Jordan, on the flip side of that coin, he went through the East and the East had, you know, the East was was tough you know you had your reggie millers and the indiana pacers and if you watched the uh, the last dance that was that aired uh last year on espn uh miller thought they had their number and i mean they had players you had mark jackson travis Betts, you had jalen rhodes you had rick smith you had reggie miller on that team that team was no and then you had the davis brothers down low banging this was back in the day when uh the center and the power fours were still relevant. You had the Knicks. You had Patrick Ewing, Anthony Mason, Charles Oakley, uh, John Starks. You know, you, you had some powerhouse teams in the East. It wasn't like, you know, uh, Jordan and them were just running, you know, over some scrubs. There were some good teams in the East, and there were good teams in the West as well. You know, the Stockton and Malones, uh, and Jeff Hornacek's out in Utah were a good, solid teams. These are 60-plus win teams. Gary Payton, uh, Sean Kemp, uh, Sam Perkins, th- that, that was a good Supersonics team. The- these weren't slouches. And I know a lot of times people say, well, you know, Jordan, Jordan didn't play anybody. Like, you know, they show you these highlights, right? And, you know, they'll show you, like, Craig Elo guarding Jordan and Jordan jumping like literally over this dude's head for a game winner. And they're like, come on, man, that was Craig Elo. He can't jump. But like I said, it's all relative, right? You have to look at it at the players of the time. Craig Elo, you know how many people Craig Elo had to beat, you know, who who thought he was some little scrub white dude in the gym and Craig Elo put it on him to get to the NBA? You know, there was a lot of guys, you know, you know how many people thought they could probably rip John Stockton, I'm going to take his cookies and got their face cracked. You know, these, you know, like I said, it's all relative. So when you look at the players of the time, these were, you know, they you could have taken them to any playground and they were going to get buckets anywhere of that time. And Michael Jordan just happened to be the cream of the, you know, the cream of the cream, the, the top of the top of the time. He was creme de la creme. You know, now, Michael was a volume shooter. And he wasn't really asked to do much. Like, you you could say, man, look, LeBron is asked to do what Michael and Scotty put together were asked to do. You know, like, Mike, when Mike was rolling, you didn't want him playing defense. You sense, you, you sick Scotty on their players. So, like, let's use the Lakers uh, championship. That whole series changed when they took Scotty and said, hey, go guard Magic. 
go lock him down. And he made it tough. He made it tough for opponent, uh, opposing point guards. But here's a great in magic. And here's Scottie Pippen locking him down. So you know what that left Michael Jordan to do? What he does best, score. See, in the 90s, players had more defined roles. The power forwards and the centers, they would bang it out in the paint. You didn't have to worry about a a center or a power forward out in the three-point line trying to shoot a three. And when you did the pick and roll, they didn't pick and pop. They rolled straight to the basket. And if they picked and pop, it was a 15-footer. It wasn't a fade to the corner for a three. You didn't have centers that were dancing with the ball in the Jordan era. These guys stayed in the paint. So, you know what? It gave uh, the guards a lot of room to play on the wings. But just check this out. This also speaks to Jordan's greatness. He wasn't really a good three-point shooter. But imagine if he was. At the clips that he was scoring points, if he was a a good three-point shooter, you could probably add 10,000 more points to what he has now. And I believe Jordan's fifth on the all-time scoring list because LeBron just passed him, Kobe, and put himself in the third place spot. So he's only behind Karl Malone, which is another player that I just explained to you that Jordan had to go through out west, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, Kareem. So, you know, when, when you look at what these two players had to overcome to get where they're at, you can make an argument that Jordan did it the way that the right way, right? He stayed loyal to a team. He went through all of the adversity that he had to, and they made a great player out of him. Flip side of that coin, you could say, well, LeBron learned. And in order to win these championships, you had to team up with the best because these guys are bigger, faster, stronger. This is not the era of, hey, you know, these big men are just camped out in the middle of the lane. No, these big men could dribble. These big men could shoot. So this is why I say it's difficult to really choose who's the GOAT. The honest answer is they're both GOATs. They're both the greatest of their own time. And you know what? There's really no reason to compare them. But if you are going to ask me my opinion on who I think the GOAT is, it still has to be Michael Jordan. Because if you go back to my Tom Brady analogy, Jordan's not the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, but he just wins. When the game's on the line, Mike wants that ball. And, you know, you'll say, well, you know what? Uh, Steve Kerr hit a game winner. Mike had the ball. He drew a double team and he made the right pass. Yes, Steve Kerr made that shot. But if you look at it, it was just above the free throw line. That's that's a layup to how good of a shooter that Steve Kerr was. That's that's that was almost a layup for him. That's a dunk. Jordan drew two, stepped over, passed it to Steve Kerr, and he steps into a rhythm jump shot. Mike wanted the ball. Look in that series, uh, later in that series, when they decided Byron Russell was enough to just guard him, 
in two back-to-back series. Like, you know, the Bulls ended up meeting Utah in the NBA Finals two years in a row. And I believe it was game one. Uh, Jordan drives left, pulls up, hits a game winner on Byron Russell. Jordan's last game as a Chicago Bull, he drives, pulls back, shoots, holds the pose. I mean, perfect right off in the sunset moment. But he holds the pose and he hits the shot over Byron Russell. If you don't send the double team, the man wants the ball. He, he, it's game time. He wants the ball. He wants, he relishes that moment. He's a winner. It's something that you just can't coach. You can't teach. You just have it. He has that killer instinct. It's the same analogy with Tom Brady. There's other quarterbacks out in the NFL that have uh, stronger arms, better teams, better attribute. But when the light is shining its brightest between the two, LeBron and Michael, Mike was that guy. Even to this day, you'll have Hall of other Hall of Fame players. Tell you, you didn't you didn't look Mike in the eye. He might take it personal. The man literally struck fear in the hearts of other NBA superstars. Now, it's a different era. This this era is like the buddy era. Everyone likes each other and they play nice with each other. And there's nothing wrong with that. Seriously, there's nothing wrong with that. But some of these guys look at LeBron and say, yeah, I could go toe-to-toe with him. He doesn't strike fear in their heart. Now, he'll beat him. Don't get me wrong. LeBron's going to beat him. But, you know, you'll have these young guys that feel like, hey, I could go toe-to-toe with him. I'll give you a prime example. A couple years back in the playoffs, Jason Tatum goes down the lane and he bangs it on LeBron. And not only that he bangs it on LeBron, afterwards he chest bumps him on his way back up the court. Not to say that didn't happen to Mike, but if it did, he would severely punish you. Let's reference the last dance. So in the in the documentary, the docu-series, The Last Dance, B.J. Armstrong, who used to play with the Bulls, ends up going. He was traded to the Charlotte Hornets and they end up meeting each other in the playoffs. B.J. Armstrong has a great game, comes out there and he's, you know, showboating and, you know, he's feeling himself. And Mike was like, come on, B.J., for real, for real. You know what it is. So what ended up happening after that? Mike punished him. Punished him. In typical Mike fashion. Just embarrassed him. Couldn't stop Mike. But that's the difference. That era in the 90s and this era, the mentality is completely different. Completely different. And not to say that the basketball is any different. Hey, When you lace them up and you shoot them, the game's all the same. But how you view the game, 
If you're and LeBron is a true historian of the game. The dude could actually replay an entire game in a post-game interview. Say, hey, you know what? If I would have kicked over, you know, such and such slid, and we did this, and I mean, it's unreal. LeBron's basketball knowledge is probably second to none. I would actually say he's uh, a better student of the game than even Mike. Mike just knew one thing, and that was win. Mike Mike wielded the Chicago Bulls team to win. He, like I said, I keep refer I keep referencing uh, the Last Dance documentary. But he said, you know, a lot of these guys felt like I pushed them too hard. But that's the price of winning. Mike wanted to win at all costs. I don't want to be one of the guys. Matter of fact, I'm gonna punch Steve Kerr in the eye. But you're gonna get on board and win these championships. And that's what Mike demanded from his teammates. Now, in this cancel culture that we live in now, a lot of people might say, no, you can't do that. That's a terrible leader. You know, I wouldn't want to play with a guy like that. I mean, Michael Jordan spent uh, at least uh, 10 episodes berating Scott Burrell, just bullying him. Right. So a lot of people say, oh, he's a bully. He's this. Mike's a winner. Mike's a winner. And if you want to win, you kind of kind of be egotistical. You kind of got to be mean. You got to have that edge. It's not like LeBron doesn't have it. There's been plenty of players that played with LeBron that said, you know, oh, man, you ain't going to talk to me. I mean, Kyrie Irving even came out and said, you're not going to talk to me like a kid. You're not going to yell at me. I'm a legitimate superstar in my own right. You're not going to talk to me like that. But. Later, Kyrie Irving found out that if you're going to be the alpha dog, sometimes you have to talk to people like that. Mike didn't have that problem. Mike might have actually been a sociopath. He birthed Kobe Bryant. And Kobe Bryant was dubbed a a sociopath on the basketball court. Because when he got in that rectangle, when he got in between those lines, he didn't have any friends. He wanted to win. He had the killer instinct. And to me, that killer instinct is why I pick Jordan as the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And like I said, there's no wrong answer in this. These are just opinions. Great topics for the barbershop, the office, or just hanging out with your boys. This is just a great topic. But if you're being real with yourself, And you're saying, I want to win. And I want a good winning percentage at winning. I want Mike on my team. Mike did whatever he had to do to win. Whether it was psychologically, whether it was physically, or was it just, you know, just plain outballed you. Mike did it. So that's my little spiel on. Who's the greatest between LeBron and Mike? And you know what? This this conversation actually isn't even finished because LeBron's career isn't over. This guy might go on and win uh, three or four more championships and we might have to revisit this conversation. But as of now, 2021, March 8th of 2021, I'm going to have to to side with my guy, Michael Jordan, and say he's the greatest of all time. Uh, he's the best that I've seen 
on a competitive, uh, uh, having a competitive drive and want to win. He's uh, going through the opposition and the obstacles that were put uh, in front of him. And like I said, he's six out of six in the NBA finals. And not only that, he's six out of six in the NBA finals. He also has six finals MVP. Six of them. If you're going to go to the big dance, I always compare this into like a high school dance, right? If you're going to go to the dance, not only that he's uh, prom king, he also has the best date. He's dating the best looking girl in the school. So he takes home all of the prizes at the end of the night. That's the guy you want to be in life. That's the guy you want to be in sports. So at the end of the day, when we're talking about who's the greatest of all time, yes, it's a team sport. Yes, there's individual accolades to be won in those sports. But ultimately, we're judged on winning. Win, baby, win. Just win. So that's my spill on that. And uh, just uh, I'd like to hear from you guys. Tell me what you think. Who's the greatest of all time? So just leave some comments, like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Once again, you can find me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. Thank you for listening. Once again, I'm William Andres, your host of the Health, Wealth, and Sports Podcast. Good night.